This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. 776, that is the telephone number. Remember, we're rolling until 10 o'clock. Then Anita will take over with the weekend wager. Rich Samini's going to stop by in about an hour to talk a little latest rumblings with the New York Jets, apart from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we know what the deal is with him. We're waiting for, you know, Aaron to decide out there in Malibu. But, you know, what other things are Joe Douglas and company up to? By the time Wednesday rolls around and the start of the new league year with free agency, with cuts, restructurings, and those type of things. Um, real quick here, just an update with the college hoops. Iona's up 10 with about 30 seconds to play, so Patino's going to march on to the conference championship game in the MAC, which will be tomorrow. And remember, there's all these rumors with him being possibly tied to the St. John's vacancy, which is now a thing because the school parted ways with Mike Anderson earlier today, in case you're just joining us. Uh, Marquette's got a seven-point lead on UConn, about 13 minutes to play in one semifinal at the Garden. Uh, you got Penn State up five on Northwestern midway through the second half. Uh, in one of the corners at the Big Ten tournament. And, of course, Selection Sunday coming up where we find out the entire field. And don't forget to also, you know, you lose an hour of sleep, but don't forget to set those clocks on Sunday. I mean, it's going to be like uncharted waters for us. You know, it's not going to get dark now until after 7 o'clock in a couple of days, which is just like, wow. And now if we could just start to get the temps a little bit warmer, I think we'll be good to go. Baseball around the corner, all is good with us here. Um, as far as the Knicks are concerned, let me get this to you first because – Literally, a couple of moments ago, the Knicks made it official and that Jalen Brunson is indeed going to be out for tomorrow's game against the Clippers, which is going to be game number two with his four-game West Coast trip for Tom Thibodeau's team. Um, things look great. You know, things look great at the start last night. You know, Brunson was back in the lineup, played the first half. Playing pretty well. I mean, the guy had 19 points at halftime, and you're thinking he don't look any worse for the wear. You know, a couple of games, get this thing straightened out, and, you know, he was back out there doing his thing. And then almost innocently, like I didn't even see it happen, that he re-aggravated the foot injury. We got word right at the start of the second half that he's not going to be playing the rest of the way, and you saw him limping back to the locker room, and you're like, well, oh, this isn't good. And now he's not going to be playing tomorrow. And, look, I would be surprised if he plays Sunday against the Lakers either because if you're going to have him sit out one game back-to-back, -back, I, I just can't see him returning uh, in either one of these games, even though there's no travel involved because they both play in the same arena, of course. And I think that you do need to err on the side of caution when talking about Brunson and that sort of thing. But no, you know, I think the good news is is that he didn't have to fly back to New York to get any further testing or further imaging or anything of that nature. So I guess they feel pretty confident that he didn't make it any worse than it originally was. So I think that's a good sign there, too. But I, I wonder if, again, concern is a word that can be taken in so many different ways, right? Because this team was living large when they ran off those nine consecutive wins. And look, we were all pumped about it, right? We thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Long time since this team was thought of in that light. Nine straight victories. Oh, they can't be beat. Winning games that you didn't expect them to win, right? I mean, think about, you know, like that Boston game. Double overtime without Brunson on the road on Sunday night. You kicked Boston's rear end earlier that week at home. You know, you're just feeling good about this team. And, you know, the Miami game on Friday night when it got a little bit sloppy there towards the end, and then Randall again pulls it out at the very end, just making shot after shot. And it's like, okay, maybe something finally clicked for this team. Unless you want to believe that it was all just Josh Hart. Because remember, they ran off nine straight wins with Josh Hart since he was acquired. 
And now they've lost two with him, and he probably doesn't know what to do with himself. He was like, shoot, you mean he actually lose games? When he get traded to this team? I can't believe it. But you're never as good as you think you are when you run off nine straight wins. But now when things haven't gone your way for the last couple of games, you got to look in the mirror and say, okay, why is that? Is this just the law of averages? Is it because we weren't going to win every single game the rest of the season? Well, well, of course not. But I do think that there are some things over the last two games, and I think that you have to treat them separately. Okay? The Charlotte game, even though Josh Hart doesn't want to use it as an excuse, the Charlotte game, I clearly think that they were out of gas in that second half. I just think they didn't have anything left in the tank, especially when it came to guys like Emmanuel Quickly. Right? Playing 55 minutes in that game on Sunday night, every single second, third, fourth quarter, the two overtimes, he's not used to playing that many points. Or, excuse me, that many minutes. And I think that it showed. Last night, different story. Last night, you saw a team that in the first half, they couldn't make shots. They, they, just, they were getting good looks. They just weren't making shots. And then Brunson goes down, and the lead was 16. Or the deficit was 16 at halftime, and no Brunson. i got to be honest with you. At that point, I thought that they might lose by 30. It would just be turn out the lights because Sacramento's tough to beat at home. They're the number one scoring team in the NBA. You know, they fell behind by 21. And then when the Knicks got that thing tied again in the fourth quarter, I said, wow. I'm shocked. Shocked. And then they just couldn't make the plays. They didn't have enough firepower. They didn't have as much firepower as the Sacramento Kings had. You know, they had guys. They, You know, Sacramento was two all-stars. I know you don't like to think of them necessarily as this team with an abundance of talent. But, you know, De'Aaron Fox is a great player. Demonis Sabonis might be the most underrated player, one of the two or three most underrated players in the NBA. I mean, the guy's a freaking, you know, we talk about Nikola Jokic being the triple-double machine. That's what Sabonis is, but to a lot less fanfare. Guy's got three triple-doubles in like the last seven, eight games, and, you know, he just finds ways to help his team win. And I'm really shocked. Like, that trade, that trade that Indiana made, you know, sending him over there, I'm, I'm really kind of still scratching my head all these months later that they went ahead and did that. But nevertheless, the Kings are benefiting, and they just had better players than the Knicks did when it mattered most. And I mentioned quickly again because I think that quickly is still on fumes. Something's not right. I mean, the guy's 6 of 27 from the floor the last two games. Randall hasn't been that good the last couple of games. He's 13 out of 39 from the floor, so maybe he's fighting it a little bit. And remember, Julius Randle didn't get the same break that all these other guys got during the All-Star vacation. He had to go play. He had to go out to Salt Lake City and do all the three-point shooting stuff and the interviews and the commitments and playing the game. So he didn't rest like some of these other guys did. So it's a couple of things here. Number one, when are you going to see Brunson again? Right? I doubt it's going to be against the Lakers on Sunday. He's already out for tomorrow. Do you see him in Portland? I'd be surprised. It's probably not going to be until this team comes home at best. But they need them. And I think that the Knicks know that. So, yeah, while you'd love to win these games and while you'd love to be able to be moving up the standings and try to finish as high as possible in the Eastern Conference, it's almost like the old saying, you have to lose the battle to win the war. Because big picture here, the Knicks are not winning squat without Jalen Brunson. And when I say squat, that might even only mean a round in the playoffs. If they want to do that, they need this guy. I still think he's their most important player, even more so than Julius Randle. You know, there were a couple of positives you take from last night, aside from the fact that they, you know, battled back and wouldn't go away. I thought Grimes was really good last night. 
Grimes showed a lot of fight. Grimes was in attack mode on offense. Got some, some, them some key baskets, especially when they needed them. When the rest of the team maybe went a little bit flat. Josh Hart, again, just... I, I know I sound like a broken record with Josh Hart, but Josh Hart is just so damn solid in what he does. I mean, like, you can, you can close your eyes before the game even starts, and you can map out, write it down on a piece of paper, the type of performance you're going to get from Josh Hart. You're going to get 30 minutes a night off the bench. He might only take four shots, but he's going to find a way to somehow get, you know, between 8 to 12 points. He'll have seven or eight rebounds, and he'll have about four or five assists, and he's going to play his absolute you-know-what off on both ends of the floor. That was such a great pickup. And you hope that he's a guy that's going to be part of this thing over the next couple of seasons. Because he really is, you know, I, I know it's kind of cliche and everything, but he's a Nick. He fits this city's profile. That's the type of player that Josh Hart is. And I thought that they did, you know, it's, it's a little bit disappointing from an efficiency standpoint, but one of the other things that kept them in that game last night and allowed them to, to hang around, offensive rebounding. I mean, it was a joke after a while. I mean, the Knicks were getting to, like, every single loose ball and getting so many second chances, long rebounds, but they just couldn't convert. You know, they were having these long possessions, getting, you know, multiple cracks at, at scoring, but they just couldn't score. So it didn't burn the Kings maybe as much as you ordinarily would. I mean, offensive rebounds last night, what was it? 23 to 6. I mean, that's almost like a 4 to 1 margin. 23 to 6 in favor of the Knicks, but they weren't very efficient with those opportunities. So, not the end of the world. Sky isn't falling just yet. You know, maybe we're at the. When you leave the house, you take your umbrella stage of things because, you know, the sky might start to be falling a little bit, like particles here and there, meteor shower, right? Bring the umbrella, rain gear, stuff like that. But, no, do I think it's a, a, a full-blown or a full-blown world is ending for the Knicks? Of course not, not just after a couple of games. Now, if we find out that Jalen Brunson's out for, you know, a month, then we can have a different conversation. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let us say hi to Artie in Brooklyn. He's up next on 98.7. Art, how we doing? Artie, Artie in the car. What's up, Artie? And we're talking, and we're talking Knicks instead of Jets. How about that? That's it, but baby. Before I, say, before I talk Knicks, yeah. I want to make one point about uh, uh, football. Tariq yes. Hill. They changed this contract, they said, yes. and they changed it to give them like 25, $25 million bonus to some garbage. So this way it, they could, they're able to sign more people in the cap. And stuff. Why mm -hmm. can't we do that? Why well, are they you, are. Why? There's so much. Oh, we all doing that? Okay, good. Oh, every, I mean, it hasn't been announced yet. Trust me, you're going to see every team in the NFL – Trying right. to restructure right. contracts. And all they're doing is they're just reallocating the bonus money. That's all it is to free up salary cap in the short term. Every team is going to do that, 100%. All right, cool. I don't want to, like, you know, be outsmarted. Because I remember when Mr. T was on, they said, oh, he's a cap guru and all that. And I, I'm sitting there I'm going, is he really, like, in the, do we have an advantage over everybody else? I don't want to, like, you know how it is with uh, loopholes, right? But anyway, well, then, well, back to the Well, Lord, here, real, real quick, and I'll let you do yeah. the Knicks stuff, yeah. but – 
That's one of the reasons why Berrios was cut, okay? They tried to restructure Berrios's contract, free up some money. They couldn't come to an agreement, so they said, thanks for the memories, and they just cut them all together. They're having conversations with C.J. Mosley, a couple of other guys who are due to count pretty significantly on the cap this year. They're going to try to lower those numbers, and if they can't, that's why you see guys getting cut to the curb. I mean, look at what the Minnesota Vikings did. Minnesota ended up cutting Adam Thielen today. I mean, Adam Thielen, I know he had a down year last year, and maybe he's getting a little long in the tooth, but this has been one of their most productive players over the last, you know, five, six years. But the money just doesn't work for him now, so they had to move on. Do you know what it is? I took it like, you know, when you hear restructuring, you're hearing, okay, maybe they're not taking less money, but it's more they're pushing it all out. And stuff. That's what it is. getting the same money. It's with, like with it's Tyreek like if Hill, I it seemed like he's going to get his twenty five million, but he's going to get it like you, you write it in. It's like uh, doing your taxes, how they write it a different way, and they're right. putting it in the bonus money. So this way, he comes out to be like a, it goes one million against the cap, so they could sign other players. I said that's a bunch of BS. Like why do we have to lose players because of that? And the Dolphins have Tariq Hill, and they're able to sign somebody else because of like logistics. You know, you know what it is? Like, it's I like we're doing it too. Well, every team does it. You know what it is? Plain okay. and simple. It's like this. If Art, if if I owed you a hundred dollars and you were supposed to get that hundred dollars for this season, what I say to you is, you know what? I'll give you fifty dollars now, and then the other fifty I'll give you next year, just so I can use that other fifty dollars to go sign another right. player. That's what it is. Right. You're pushing out the money. Right. Yeah. And the and the thing about with the Knicks too, okay? When they didn't make the Donovan Mitchell, was I upset? Yeah. But then I also understood it. I said, ah, oh, he's not, a, they said he's not a defensive guy and stuff like that. He's not tips. But now that you got hard, and I'm saying, what does this team need to go past like teams like the Sixers or have a shot against the Bucks? And you know what I come up with? Somebody like Donovan Mitchell. If we made that trade and then still got hard, instead of having Barrett and Grimes right now, do you see a big difference, or am I just, you know, saying, nah, not really? Do you see it my way? Look at it this way. Right now, if you if you look at the Knicks and, let's say, Philadelphia, okay? Right. There's, there, Philadelphia's got, what, four or five more wins than the Knicks do? Would Donovan Mitchell right. be worth four or five more wins to this team? Maybe. Maybe. It's not only the wins. It's like if you're playing him in the playoffs, and I said right now, I could trade you Barrett and Grimes for Mitchell. You don't think that's a, you don't think that would be the difference in, in the in the series? I definitely think that would be the difference. Oh, it, we it, need a yeah, yeah, in yeah, a series, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Artie, I agree yeah. with you, and I thank you. I, I thank you for the phone call, my friend. As always, here here's the thing, though, and 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 I'm going to repeat what I said back in the summer. All right, and I was all for bringing in Donovan Mitchell then, even at the expense of R.J. Barrett. But I still don't think that would have made the Knicks a championship team. Because, remember, the difference with the summer versus you and I talking right now, well, there's a couple. Number one, Julius Randle. Because even though we could have hoped and wanted and and been optimistic of the type of season he was going to have, we didn't know that he would have an an all-star season, a season even better than the one he had a couple of years ago. Okay, And number two is Brunson. I don't think any of us knew that he would be this good. We had hopes. And certainly had a high price tag, but he's been the most important player on this team. There's no other way around it. Not even close. 
800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get more of your calls coming as well. We'll get into the St. John stuff in a little bit too. Dan Gross' show, we roll till 10 right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. That's are a threat. I don't think that they are better than the Knicks. I mean, I don't think you can make that argument right now as presently constituted with everything that's happened to them. But, you know, Knicks got to be careful here with this stretch. And that's what we caution going out west. You know, those are not easy games, especially if you're going to be shorthanded now and you may not have Brunson for the remainder of the trip. You might be looking at a goose egg coming back here. And then you got the Denver Nuggets, only the best team in the Western Conference waiting for you the first game up at MSG. So you got to be careful with these next couple of games. 800-919-3776. Let's say hi to Stephen Flushing, who was up next here on 98.7. Stevie, how are you? Shane, how you doing? Nice What's up, Steve? Uh, again, I wanted to harp on the Knicks. Just a few points. Um, watching the game yesterday, and um, just overall, you know, we're about a little over three quarters of the way done with the season now. Um, something I don't hear people bring up regarding the coach, Tom Thibodeau, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, the Brunson injury is kind of concerning that, you know, he had a few days off. And I mean, to me, he looked like he was going all out, like overexerting himself in the first half in, in last night's game and kind of re-injured the foot. I think that, that's the main reason he, he injured it. But in general, like, I know load management is not a popular thing. And, you know, you, you, you don't want to, like, overdo it. But the Knicks kind of the opposite of that. Like, Randall hasn't missed one game yet. And it's kind of concerning that, you know, you have an eight, nine-man rotation. It's not even the playoffs yet. And, you know, we saw what happened with the Bulls and Thibodeau coaching them. Um, he pretty much wore them down. And I just, I'm just afraid they're going to get more injuries, uh, like like a Brunson injury because of that. And I just – I don't know when brings it up, but I just – I hope I'm wrong. But um, you, you want to keep these guys fresh for the postseason. And I'm just I, – I would like to get see guys like Randall, um, you know, some of these other guys who are starting every day just get, like, one game off every, like, three weeks going forward. You know what I mean? Like – Give me yeah. just, just so I know they're fresh. It's You know what, though, Steve? It's tricky because, look, we don't know. I mean, we're on the outside, right? Tom Thibodeau, he's the coach. He knows the players. The players know themselves. They know how they feel. Look, everybody's going to be tired at this stage of the game. And I, I know that that's what's in right now in the NBA. I, I, I think it sucks. I hate it. Load management. I mean, it, and, and I almost applaud the Knicks. And I applaud Tom Thibodeau because you don't really see the Knicks employ that. You know, really and truthfully, think about the Knicks. Like, do you ever see them say, uh, Julius Randle's not playing tonight because, you know, rest. R.J. Barrett's not playing tonight because of rest. The Knicks don't do that. So I commend them 100%. And I understand, you know, what happened in Chicago. That was like over a decade ago. That was relatively, you know, a, a young group of players. But the Knicks are in a situation right now where I don't think they can afford to take their foot off the gas pedal. Like, they don't have anything assured and locked up. I mean... All they need to do is play, you know, a couple of weeks of bad basketball, and they could find themselves back in the playing tournament realm. Yeah, but and I don't think they want to go back that, there. So let me counter that, but that's the thing. Like, yeah. okay, I understand. Don't don't overdo it with the load management, but you're not going to play good basketball if you overexert yourself. That's just the physics. That's how science works. That's how the body works. So to say, oh, it's a pride thing, you know, because these players aren't going to say, oh, I'm a little fatigued. Tibbs has them in the mindset of, you know, don't show any weakness. You know, your pride is, is more, more important than anything else. And that's not a good thing either. Like, you can overdo it the other way is what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I just, you, you know what I mean? If, if you're playing bad basketball, it's because you're over-fatigued. And if you don't say anything because your culture tells you not to say it and the culture that's developed tells you, you know, suck it up and keep going, 
that's not going to that's ultimately that's not good for the team either. So it's it's like and, and you know what? You got Derek Rose on the bench. Derek Rose can still play. Can I see him on the floor for five ten minutes to give a guy a spell once in a while? Like I, you know, Steve, use your roster. Steve, I agree with you on that one, and I thank you for the phone call. I don't know what's wrong with Derek Rose and why he can't get a couple of minutes. I I agree with you a hundred percent there. I mean, does he have some infectious disease that he's not allowed to be around other people on the court? I mean, I, I, what is it? He almost got like the mock cheer when they were chanting for him the other night in that game last week, and they finally got him up. All, I, which I actually thought, you know, I looked at that as a different way. I, I almost thought that that was kind of disrespectful to a guy like Rose. Now, they all ate it up, and they thought it was great, and I guess Rose went along with it, and everybody got a big ha-ha out of it. But, you know, for a guy who's, you know, Derek Rose is an MVP in this league once upon a time. You know, I know injuries have wrecked his career, but he's accomplished a lot in basketball. And to, you know, be at that stage where they're kind of like, you know, mocking to to put the guy. That's usually what they do to like the scrubs. You know, that's like what they did for Rudy, like put Rudy in the game. This is Derrick Rose. I know that, you know, he, he might be a little long in the tooth now and whatnot, but like, I, I don't know. I, w- I was actually surprised that they went along with it because it kind of just added to the fodder. Uh, I, I don't know. But. You know, back to the Brunson thing, I I can't sit here and agree that because the Knicks are tired and because Tibbs plays these guys too many minutes, that's why Brunson re-injured himself last night. I mean, it's basketball. It's it's, it's physicality. It's athleticism. Sometimes, you know, you you plant the wrong way or you do something, and and it's going to give. It's going to happen if you're, you're not injured or even if you're partially compromised. It's no different than, like, us as human beings. Like, let's say... You know, you're, you're getting over an illness or, or you were sick and you miss a couple of days of work or school or whatnot. And then you decide, you know what, I think I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm going to give it a go. And then you go out there and you realize, oh, geez, I, I, I feel like crap. Maybe I shouldn't have went to work today. Maybe I'm not 100 percent rested. And you kind of give yourself set back a little bit. It's, it, it happens to everybody. But I'm not, I, I can't pin this on the coach. These guys get paid a lot of money, you know, to go play a game. I love what Josh Hart said the other day. After that Charlotte game where some of us were kind of trying to say that, well, you know, they ran out of gas and they were tired. And Josh Hart was like, no, don't use that as an excuse. That's we get paid to do this. We're basketball players. We're athletes. Sean is in Queens. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Sean? How are you? Dan, thanks for taking the call. I actually, What's up, Sean? My, my thunder was, was, my thunder was taken just a little bit, but I'm still going to thaw out with, to get getting on top of Thibodeau, and I'm going to tell you why, Dan. I this first of all, I'm really excited to be talking about the Knicks. That's the, let me just start off by saying that because it's been a real long time. Yeah, it's a long time like a where uh, yeah, March Madness rolls around, and usually the Knicks are already buried, and we're worried about the off season oh, or the yeah, lottery or something. Right. So I'm excited about that. But Dan, honestly, you know, Thibs's problem with that old school, never change your mentality thought process. And I, I, you know, again, you, you, you give him praise for the load management. I don't have a problem with that because I don't. I think load management's a joke. But sticking to a nine-man rotation when you have uber talented young athletic players on the bench, and part of his problem is again he's sticking to that old school. He doesn't play rookies. He didn't play quickly the first couple of years. Now quickly is becoming you know just a, an immediate sensation off the bench. You know, he honest, honestly. If you watch these kids play when Tibbs lets them go in the in the summer league and in the beginning of the year and you know some of the exhibition games, they're all throwing alley oops to each other, getting rebounds. Jericho Sims is a freak of nature, and Obi needs to play more. So instead of load management, 
I think if you just, you know, if you allocate these minutes a little bit better, I'm not saying play the whole team, but, you know, sticking to nine guys, especially when 80% of the season's over, you know, that definitely hurts the growth of some of these young players, and it hurts our ability to keep guys healthy. And that just, in the, in the grand scheme of things, guys are more fresh. Like the caller before said, when you play too much and you overexert yourself, you're, you're going to do a lot more harm than you're going to do good. But if you have fresh legs coming off the bench, even if it's, you know, always playing nine minutes, ten minutes, and, and Randall's playing 43, you know, it just doesn't make sense in that regard. And then the other, my last thing about Tibbs is the mm-hmm. play calling at the end of the game. I mean, do we have to sit here and watch Randall oh, with the Randall handle please. dribble the ball over and over and then bounce it off of his leg or in a double team? It's just – and that's on the coach. The coach has to stop that. You know, that, that's just my opinion on that. And like I said, I'm so grateful to be talking about this. <laughs> yeah, Sean, good phone call. And, and, and there's a lot to tackle there. I'll, I'll take him in reverse. The, the Randall thing, look, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, I don't want to see that anymore, right? The, the, the spin cycle or, or, you know, what some people are calling it with Randall, it, it pays no dividends whatsoever. Think of it. They were lucky. You know, they all lucked out. La- was it last Friday night, the game in Miami, right, where he did the same thing and he actually lost the ball. And then somehow, some way, got it back and then fired up a prayer, and then he ended up sinking the three. You know, they, they got fortunate on that one. The other stuff about the rotation, okay? Josh Hart's here. All right, because you bring in Josh Hart, that now is going to take minutes away from somebody else. Now, does that mean you have to eliminate a player altogether from the rotation? Well, Josh Hart needs to play, right? I keep talking about the Josh Hart experience. If you want the Josh Hart experience, he's got to have at least 30 minutes a night. But I do agree with you why some guys are just completely unplayable like Jericho Sims. Like Jericho Sims, it's, it's amazing to me how when Mitchell Robinson is hurt, right, and he missed all those games, how Jericho Sims could be starting. And then as soon as Mitchell Robinson comes back, Sims becomes not even playable. Out of the rotation, like out of sight, out of mind, witness protection. I don't understand that at all. I'm not sitting here trying to suggest that Sims should be getting like 20 minutes off the bench or even eating into some of Isaiah Hartenstein's minutes because I like what Hartenstein brings. But go with a big lineup. I know it's I, I know it's the NBA in 2023, and it's not a big game anymore. But, you know, just as a wrinkle, you know, go, go with a couple of bigs out there. Bring back the Twin Towers for maybe, you know, Five, six minutes a night. Get Hartenstein and Sims out there. See what kind of a different look that could present for you. Maybe even on the defensive end. Who knows? See if it works. The Rose thing, I don't know what to tell you. You know? Maybe they have such a great relationship, him and Tibbs, that maybe they have this mutual understanding and Rose seems to be okay with it. Rose is embracing the whole mentor role for some of the guys on the team, which is great. And Fournier, I mean... Am I a Fournier guy? No. At, not at all. I mean, two summers ago when, you know, they got Kemba and they got Fournier and we saw that money, you're like, oi, yay, yay. You know? They were watching the Olympics that year and saw, you know, Team France play with Fournier. And we're like, oh, crap, we got to go give this guy $18 million a year. He's the missing piece. I mean, that was, that was a horrible deal. Horrible. Now, did I think that he would become completely unplayable because of it and fall out of favor that much? No. I mean, look, it's nice to have guys that in a pinch, you know, you could go to, but they don't go to them, (laughs) you know, so they're just collecting dust and a couple of guys making a lot of money just sitting there.
But remember, they're trying to give some of these minutes to the youngsters. You know, Deuce McBride, he'll get his 10 minutes a night as opposed to Derrick Rose, right? Obi Toppin, you want to see him play a little bit more? Well, he's only getting about, you know, 10, 12 minutes a night. Okay. But then that's going to come at the expense of other guys. You know, everybody loves Grimes. Well, you want to see Grimes play? Grimes played almost 30 minutes last night. I thought he had a good game. He's somebody that I think needs to be out there more. Like, you're not going to get the Grimes effect in spurts. Grimes is somebody that needs to be out for long or be out on the floor for long stretches and even maybe, you know, allow him to unleash some stuff offensively, too, because I think he's capable of it. You know, Randall's going to have to play. Brunson, when healthy, is going to have to play. And Barrett's going to get his minutes, even though there have been times here, even during the winning streak, that Barrett's not even been on the floor in the fourth quarter. Usually, by the time you get to mid-March, or we're approaching on mid-March, and you only have, you know, 14, 15 games left in the season, you would think you'd have your rotation all kind of worked out already. And I don't think that the Knicks roster turned over that much at the trade deadline by bringing in one guy in Josh Hart to where now you got to change all these things around as to how many minutes guys are getting and all that stuff. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. We'll continue the Knicks talk. And we'll also get into the latest of what happened at St. John's here. They're looking for a new head coach. And more importantly, I want to hear from you guys. What is enthusiasm for college basketball? St. John's, who's supposed to be New York City's team, what is the enthusiasm like at this point in time for the program and for college hoops in this city? We'll talk about it. Dan Gross' show till 10, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. And we're back with you again tomorrow morning for our Saturday program. 9 a.m. Eastern, of course. Moments ago, a thriller at MSG. Congrats to Marquette. The Golden Eagles moving on to the championship game of the Big East tournament for the first time in school history. Now, remember, they haven't been in the Big East all that long. Um, But they are getting to the finals. Overtime, and they were two points better, one bucket better than the UConn Huskies. I was a little surprised that um, Danny Hurley didn't take a timeout. UConn, you know, got a rebound off a missed shot with about eight or nine seconds left. Took the ball up the court. Had a lot of time. I'm surprised they didn't use that last timeout to maybe draw something up out of the T.O. But nevertheless, you know, they got a contested shot. Hawkins got a three from the top of the key. Didn't go. And so Marquette's moving on. UConn will be fine. I mean, UConn will probably be, I would say, a four seed. They'll be on that four line somewhere come Sunday with the um, selection committee. And Marquette's now got a shot. You know, they'll take on the winner of this game coming up here between Creighton and Villanova, and it's probably, or excuse me, Villanova, uh, Xavier. So I think it's Marquette's tournament to lose. Xavier, you know, they haven't been the same team over the last, I would say, few weeks, especially defensively. So I'd worry about them. Creighton, on the other hand, is a team that, you know, at the beginning of the season, Creighton was like a top 10 preseason team in in the polls. Like, they had a lot of guys coming back. A lot was expected from them. They got off to a horrible start for the first uh, month, month and a half of the season. But now they've started to, like, round into form a bit here. So they're a dangerous team. Um, but, hey, these are two white knucklers that that uh, Marquette has had to deal with. Remember, they escaped St. John's yesterday. And then tonight they escape UConn and are moving on here uh, to the championship game, looking for their first Big East uh, championship. And it's funny, we bring up St. John's because uh, yesterday we were talking about that close loss that they had to Marquette. And I thought it was a game that if they won it, 
it might have, and I say might, maybe would have gone a long way towards keeping Mike Anderson employed. Maybe. But they didn't win the game. And then we find out earlier today that Mike Anderson has been let go after just four years. And they still had a lot of money coming to him. He had four years, about $10 million bucks still left on that contract. Now, you look at the pros and cons. You know, you go back and you look at his tenure here. He had four seasons, no losing seasons, but they didn't make the postseason either. And his Big East record was 10 games under 500 in the conference. And those are the games that count, right? Your conference games, that's ultimately what's going to make or break you. Those are the majority of your games, and he was 23 and 33. And then if you look at the elite competition against quad one and quad two teams over the last two seasons, St. John's was 3 and 22. I, I mean, 3 and 22. That's hard. You know, if you're a, just if, for those that maybe aren't like devout college basketball followers and, you know, how the breakdown goes and everything, if you're talking about tournament teams, like just at-large bids to the tournament that make the NCAAs, generally speaking, like your average team will probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of five or six wins against quad one teams over the course of a season. Just one season. St. John's only had three against quad one and quad two. So they weren't necessarily getting it done against the top clubs. Now, you think about the St. John's program and, and what it is, and if you're a little bit older, you remember the good old days. And I'm not telling you you got to go all the way back to Louis Carnesecca and the sweater because that was a different world. It was a different time, you know, and it's been a mixed bag for the last couple of decades with this team. But everybody keeps selling it. Oh, you know, New York's team, the city's team, you play your games at Madison Square Garden. Well, that's great and all, but like, realistically speaking, can St. John's ever get back to that level again? Like, you're looking at this environment, and if you've been watching it all week or if you're watching it tonight and if you've checked in on this tournament, the excitement is like no other. You know, Friday night, Madison Square Garden, semifinals of the Big East tournament, you know, the final four teams, like, that's what you strive to be. Like, that's a bonkers atmosphere. And why can't St. John's get back to that? Well, they haven't been that. You know, and when you watch this, if you're a St. John's fan, you kind of look at these teams and you say, man, we got a lot of work to do to get to the level of where some of these schools are right now. I mean, St. John's hasn't won an NCAA tournament game since 2000. Think of how long ago that was. 2000. That was still during the Yankee dynasty. The Jeter Tory Yankees. That was the last time they won a tournament game when Mike Jarvis was the coach. Remember, Mike Jarvis had a lot of success early on because he did it with all of uh, mostly Fran Fraschilla's players that he recruited. And then Jarvis was the one that was able to uh, reap the rewards there for a little bit. But they made the tournament only three times in the last 20 years. Last eight years, you look at the Big East, their best finish in the conference was fourth. Fourth. And as I said, nothing against Mike Anderson. Not a bad guy. And by all accounts, he's a good basketball coach. But I don't think he was right for this area because when you hire somebody, you got to hire somebody who knows the area. Because recruiting is half the – it's not half the battle. It's more than half the battle. And I just don't think Mike Anderson was the right guy for this job. He's not a Northeast guy. He's not a New York guy. You can bring in all the assistant coaches you want and guys that have ties to the area that can recruit and have all these connections and the AAU circuits and all the – it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You know, and if you look at the rest of the Big East, and I understand that with realignment and college sports and the way everything has gone, I know that things have gotten screwy. 
There's very few natural rivalries. You know, teams are not, you know, hanging around in the same leagues like they used to for years and years and years and years. But, you know, you look at the rest of the Big East for the last 20 seasons. Like I said, you know, it's been about that long since St. John's last won a tournament game. Marquette, they're in the Big, the big East now, but they weren't. They went to a Final Four. Remember with Dwayne Wade 20 years ago? They weren't in the conference. They were in Conference USA then, but still, they've been to a Final Four. Butler, they weren't in the Big East, but they are now. Butler went to back-to-back -back national championship games. Remember that under Brad Stevens? Back-to-back -back national championship games. UConn won two national championships, been to several Final Fours during that stretch. Villanova, same thing, two national championships, several Final Fours. Georgetown, for crying out loud, went to a Final Four under John Thompson III. Been falling on hard times now, as we know with Patrick Ewing and him being let go. But, you know, why can't St. John's seems like make any sort of progress? Any. You know, they tried to bring back the, the conquering hero in Chris Mullen, the guy who was basically the link back to those glory years, right? And it didn't work. Made the tournament, quick exit. And he wasn't the right guy. You know, there's a difference between being a great player and a great coach. you got to put in that work. Maybe Chris wasn't doing that, doing the things that you had to do. Whatever. They decided, let's cut bait. Let's move on. So who's that next guy going to be? I mean, fine, you want to go get Rick Pitino? Well, other, t other schools want him too. Georgetown is said to be in on him. Texas Tech is said to be in on him. 70 years of age. You think that, you know, he's a native New Yorker, coached the Knicks, Knows the city, knows what it takes. I mean, hell, look at what he's doing at Iona for the last couple of years. Is he the only guy possible that could realistically bring this program back to where it was a very, very long time ago? Because they've been passed on the raceway by all these other teams in the conference. They seem to have figured it out. Maybe it's just because, like, in New York City, you know, we're a pro sports town. We're not a college sports town. Maybe recruiting... You know, to try to, and, and that's the tricky thing, too. You think about some of these options that these kids have. You know, do you really want to come and play basketball? And, you know, there's not a hell of a lot that that school offers in terms of the amenities and all that stuff. And, you know, yeah, you can hang out in New York City and all those things, and you get to play every so often at Madison Square Garden, but it's not really the same type of college environment as maybe you get at some of these other schools around the country. It just isn't. It is what it is. It's a city school, and it's great, and great education, all these things. But as far as the college experience and the location and whatnot, there's other schools that are going to have a beat from facilities and amenities. You know, other schools are going to have you beat. And that's the challenge. Like, back in the day, you could sell kids on playing in New York, playing at Madison Square Garden. Well, what's Madison Square Garden been for the last 20 years? You know, look at the team that calls Madison Square Garden home in the NBA. What have the Knicks done in the last 20 years to elevate the heights of Madison Square Garden? It was different back in the day when every spring you would put on the TV, no matter where you lived in the country, and you would see big playoff games at MSG with Ewing and Riley and all those Knicks teams duking it out to try to get to the NBA Finals every year, playing Jordans, Bulls, whatever it was. What has it been like for the last 20 years? So a college-age kid who's... You know, 16 or, a, uh, you know, a high school kid, 16, 17 years of age, deciding, you know, where do I want to go play college ball? Think about in, in a teenager's lifetime, how good have the Knicks been? How marquee has Madison Square Garden been as a stage to showcase the best basketball that you've ever seen? The Mecca, the namesake, all those things that only carry so much weight. What do the eyes tell you? Because to a 16-year-old kid in his lifetime, Knicks haven't been that good. 
There haven't been a lot of important marquee games at Madison Square Garden. So if somebody tells you, hey, come to St. John's, you can play half of your games at MSG, they're like, okay, great, but what else? And think about that. 800-919-3776. We'll talk some more Jets with Rich Samini coming up at the top of the hour. Dan Grasso Show, 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>